City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help. From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Hive. I am James. Chase is back with me. We are talking today about head coach Steve Clifford, um, who, Chase, he was pretty vocal <laughs> following the Detroit loss, wasn't he? I mean, what, what did you make of that post-game presser? Yeah, you could definitely say that uh, he was vocal and it was, it took a very uh, strong stance in that post-game press conference. He didn't even take questions, uh, if I'm correct. He nope. sat right down, ripped off about a minute and a half spiel about effort and defense. And my, my favorite part about or my favorite quote from the whole thing was that we it's not that we don't want to win. It's that we go about mm-hmm. it in all the wrong way or we don't go about it in the right way. It's not an exact quote, but pretty much that that sums it up. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a quite it was quite a press conference, and I I mean, you can't really say that it's entirely surprising, uh, given the state of the Hornets right now. I mean, currently the worst record in the NBA, so they did not expect to be in this place. Steve Clifford did not sign up to coach the worst team in the NBA, I don't think. So I I can imagine that there's some frustration that may have boiled over there, and I can't really blame him or or any player that would also be similarly upset, and I imagine that they all are. Yeah, it's building up, right? The frustration, you know, the the long season. Um, they've got an upcoming six-game West Coast trip, yep. which is going to be a bloodbath. Um, it does sound like they'll have some players back. Gordon Hayward could be back. We're recording this on Friday. He could be back in Atlanta. And if not, he'll probably be back on that West Coast trip. So, but I mean, we were going to talk about Steve Clifford today anyway, looking at the, the job he's done coaching so far, trying to look into like how responsible do we think Steve Clifford is for this team's poor play um obviously there's been a lot of injuries but we can't just we can't just write everything off like we we need to look at the coaching and we're going to kind of look at some some of the key stats some of the play styles like our impressions of them so far and then at the end we're going to touch on uh a a little story about Michael Jordan uh which Stephen Jackson told recently on I think a barstool 
sports podcast. Um, and we've got the audio. We're going to play that. And we're going to discuss some of our thoughts on that. So that's our plan for today. We've got an episode dropping next week, which will be our last before Christmas. Then we're having a little gap, have a little bit of time off between Christmas and New Year. And then me and Chase will be back in January um, after the West Coast trip where we can, we'll can we be able to dissect the, uh, the likely disappointment that it's going to be. Um, so, Chase, I guess so far, I mean, you, let's set the scene here. You weren't writing about the Hornets when Steve Clifford was first coach, were you, the first time around? No, I was not. The first time that I, or the first season that I started writing about the Hornets was, actually, I think it was James Borrego's first season. I, I went to okay. a Hornets game when Steve Clifford was the coach, but I did not cover yeah. the, the team at all. So this is probably like your first real experience of like watching the Steve Clifford post games. I, like, I know you watched the team when he was here, but it, it just in terms of like how he communicates, what he values, that kind of level of depth. I guess, what have you made of Steve Clifford so far and of what happened so far? Like, how would you, I don't want to say it's his fault because we all know it's not, but how would you grade the job that he has done so far? Yeah, so I mean, I was familiar, I would say more with him as like a personality than uh, his like technical coaching styles. Uh, just because, you know, I mean, the Hornets don't necessarily make news, I guess, but I had, I had followed the Hornets like for a very long time before I started writing about them anyway. And Steve Clifford's press conferences were always like something that circulated on Twitter, or, you know, had articles written about them every now and again, because I mean, the, the dead panning nature in which that he tends to just kind of lay all the facts out for you and just tell you exactly how it is uh, with very little filter. It, it plays pretty well uh, for in a lot of circles on the internet, but as a coach, I think like, and you said it already, like a lot of it is just like the personnel that they've had this year. You can only like, you can only coach the players that are available and the only, you can only coach the guys that are on the floor. LaMelo Ball's only played four games. Uh, so that, that's a big part of it. But I did think that it, the earlier in the season or early in the off season, it seemed like he was more committed to playing like a very like fast paced, uh, like run and gun style, like more similar to, I guess what James Borrego had employed in the last few years, but that really like, we haven't seen much of that. And, Granted, it could just be because Lamella has only played four games, but I also don't necessarily see that coming back in the same way, just like the frenetic pace, like really nice crisp ball movement, uh, a lot of like efficient shooting and scoring uh, from deep. It just doesn't seem like that type of system is in play to be like reinstalled at any point this year. Uh, I mean, right now, like the Hornets offense in transition is 26th in points per possession uh, per cleaning the glass. Uh, They're 14th in frequency, which I mean, that's about league average. But when the Hornets were under James Borrego, you know, they were third last year. They were sixth in 2020-21. 1920, they were 16th. And that was with arguably a worse roster than what, you know, the James Borrego or what Steve Clifford has now back when the Hornets first started rebuilding and, you know, had Devontae Graham and PJ Washington and Terry Rozier, it just doesn't seem like the, I guess the, not, the, I don't want to say like the message, right? but I guess that's really the only word for it that he had given out over the summer and the off season and stuff and preseason hasn't been able to be seen through yet. And I don't want to say it's not going to because players haven't been healthy, but even to this point, like, you'd think that there'd be some base level of like ball movement pace and stuff, but that's really like kind of the opposite 
uh, of what we've seen. I feel, not that the ball doesn't move and that it sticks with everybody and guys are playing like selfishly or anything. It's just not really like the same type of system that we saw under Borrego. And that seemed to be very beneficial for a lot of the players on the roster. Yeah, you're right. I mean, preseason, his press, his first press conference preseason, first few games, he's talking about we need to play the same way on offense. Like he basically said, like a little bit more pick and roll, but we want to play with the same pace and get out and transition. And this roster is built to do that. You're right. I mean, Lamelli not being there is a huge influence on that. Okay. But I think definitely in the last couple of weeks, they have slowed it down. But I think that's more down to personnel. Like they've generally tried to get more like Terry and Kelly Oubre in the half court and they just haven't quite got, and they've been having such defensive rebounding issues. I don't think they've been able to get out and run as much. And I think that's always the balance we talked about, right? Well, Steve Clifford is talking about, we want to be a good defensive rebounding team and we want to get out and transition. Well, those two things are hard to do both well at the same time because they directly influence each other. And it feels like Steve Clifford has sacrificed more of that transition stuff recently to focus more on that defensive rebounding. But when the the rest of the roster is, is back and healthier, I do think they will pick it up in terms of pace, frequency. I, I, it's something that he was very, very clear that he wants to do. But Steve Clifford has never really had a team that has played like that. He's not an experienced guy like, you know, Mike D'Antoni, he, you know he's going to come and increase the pace of the team right away. Steve Clifford has never done that. He had Big Al and Charlotte. He had Vooch and Orlando. That was the identity of his teams were more half-court based. And you were hoping that he would have the, the development as the coach and different personnel. He'd be able to adapt. And I just don't think we've been able to see that this far. So I think it's I think that aspect in particular, it's been, it's been really hard to judge. The one thing I will say, I mean, overall this season, the Hornets are 26th on defense and 20th in offense. Last year, they were 6th in offense and 20th in defense. The offense, I think you can just like almost throw out the window. I think it's so hard to take anything from it. The defense is what kind of, especially in the last couple of weeks, it kind of pricks my ears up a little bit. The team were worse defensively this year, giving up 115.5 points per 100 possessions. Last year, it was 113.6. And like fourth bottom in the NBA and have been almost like the worst defense over the last two weeks. Now, with the players that have been injured, Gordon Hayward, Lamella Ball being the, the main two, obviously Cody Martin is a big miss defensively. But of those are the two, like I think the personnel have been playing are actually better than some of the the defensive person last year. Obviously, you lost Miles Bridges, but you've had Dennis Smith Jr. earlier in the season. You get benefit from that. You've got Jalen McDaniels, who is like a, a good defender, much better than Gordon Hayward. Kelly Oubre has been having a good defensive season. I do think this team, and, and it's been playing big, right? You've not been having PJ Washington at the five. You've been playing big the whole time. I do think this team has been disappointing defensively, irrelevant of the offensive struggles. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. The one thing that, I particularly was worried about, and this is another stat from Cleaning the Glass, is their half-court defense specifically is, like, not very good at all. Uh, in the, and in the beginning of the year, we saw flashes of it being very good. The, they were yep. 26th in defensive points per possessions or points per possession in half-court. That is not at all the type of de- defense that Steve Clifford used. In 2015, they were ninth. In 2014, they were eighth. Like, these are 
very... And they showed it. They showed yeah. it at the start of this season, like the first yeah. 10 games. And I know guys have got hurt, but they were they were doing better defensively. They were up around 12th, 13th, I think, after the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the defensive personnel has probably stayed around the same level of talent, minus Dennis Petunia. That's the big loss. But like he can't be the linchpin of your defense. He shouldn't be. And since then, they've gone backwards. And this is the concern, right? If you're making progress with a coach, you feel happy. You're going in a good direction. Steve Clifford said it in the post game. He said the last five, six games, we we haven't cared. And we've, we've gone away from that. And for me, that's a big concern. Because then at that point, is your, like, is your message not getting through? You know, he's talked about that. He, he shows them the tape every single shoot around. He'll be showing them every single day. Simple thing, stop the ball in transition. I posted a clip the other day. They just let Alec Burks in the last two minutes of the game dribble up the court and take an open three and no one stop the ball. Um, they let Jalen Duran get a career-high 17 rebounds, like an 18-year-old just bullying them inside. And you're watching guys, you know, not boxing out. We've seen multiple examples. Like, at what point is this, is this completely the players, they're at fault? Because this has been three years of this now, of the same mistakes, not boxing out, poor coverage. And is it coaching? Or is it that these players are just do not have the ability to take the film shown to them and then change the mentality and their mindset and then implement it into the games? And if that's the case, then it doesn't matter what coach you have. The, the core of this roster needs to get changed if they're, if they're not going to make progress. And we've really struggled in that. See, I was hoping that this discussion might evolve to this point eventually, because I think a lot of the things that we have already discussed or anything that any fan would be able to point at and be like something that they don't like about Steve Clifford's offense or defensive style so far, a lot of it falls back to the players that are on the roster, even at full health, like at Mm -hmm. the very beginning of the season when it was like pretty much just LaMelo and Cody Martin were out this is not a roster that's really suited to play like a, be a well-rounded defense. Like they're, they don't have a very good rim protector yet. They haven't, especially in past seasons this year, it's definitely gotten a little bit better, but in past seasons, they have had very little in the way of rim protection in the modern NBA. That is like one of the most important, if not the most important aspects of an entire defense. Like they don't have much versatility on the wings as like, again, they have more in recent than this year than they have in recent years with the defensive seasons that Oubre and McDaniels are having. But in the past, like there are just certain like aspects of this roster that are just not suited to play defense. You need two way players in the NBA. The Hornets don't have a ton of like highly effective two way players. And that's not on the coaches like, and nor is it on the players. Like I'm not saying that all of these guys like aren't good at basketball, it's just they don't certain things don't all fit together. Like you can't just ha- throw a bunch of good players on a team and be like, all right, we're good. We're going to roll the ball out and, you know, be a playoff competitor because we have talent. Like it needs to fit together. And that's, I think, something that the Hornets off front office, I guess, maybe has not, you know, been up to par on in the last 12 months or so since maybe this point of, of last season when we realized like, okay, this Hornets team has a really good offense, but their defense yep. isn't good. And then didn't really make any moves at the trade deadline. You got Montrez Harrell, but not a defensive guy. He just adds nope. to the offense. Didn't add anybody in the offseason. We all know what happened with the free agency thing, but 
you know, it's just kind of been the same things, but relying on player development, which is fine, but it's just hasn't really gone as well as. Uh, well, they've not developed offensively. Yeah, like, right. This, like they have. They haven't the gotten problem. better. They they banked on player development, and players have made big strides offensively. But even a guy like Jalen McDaniels, I, I think he's been better on on like an offense this year, way better. I do think his defense has slipped a little bit. I still think he's been a net positive generally, but I like he is a, he does gamble a little bit and. What seems to happen as soon as these guys get more minutes, like PJ Washington, as soon as he becomes more featured in offense, his defense seems to drop a little bit. And I, that's something I think has happened for McDaniels. Um, but there just hasn't been that progress. And we know how this normally plays out, right? What is, what is easy to change, your entire roster or your coach? Like you can talk yourself into, well, like let's look across the NBA. Let's look at the Steve Clifford kind of coaching family tree. Stan Van Gundy, out of New Orleans in one year, not going to get an NBA job again. Jeff Van Gundy, hasn't got an NBA job for absolute years. Tom Thibodeau, in New York currently. Knicks fans are, are asking for his head. Like, people seem to have kind of got past that. They're not as good defensively as they thought they were in the, in the first year. Like, has the approach of, you know, like, don't make mistakes, be disciplined... I don't know if it's communication style and how these coaches communicate it. It's how they coach it. I don't know if it's what they coach is too like simplistic and other opposing NBA offenses have got to like an elevated level where they're able to overcome it. But has it now like moved on to where the, the principles that Steve Clifford is, is teaching and pro, trying to implement just aren't fit for the modern NBA anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far necessarily. I just think that it's like, it's a hard thing to implement, you know, like being like, we need to just be balls to the wall, energy and effort, like defensive playmakers, like fast on rotations, crashing the glass, like all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just hard to do. And like you said, like the roles that a lot of these guys are taking on offense require a lot more energy than they used to, which hopefully will be allevi- alleviated a little bit now that LaMelo is back. But I mean, Kelly Oubre was like, we talk, we've talked about this multiple times. He was like running pick and rolls. He was creating his own shot. He's creating shots for others. Like PJ was doing the same thing. Jalen McDaniels had a lot more creation opportunity. Like that, it does gas you a lot, like handling the ball that much on offense. So it's just, it's just hard to do that without like your best players on the court that can, you know, be the offensive engine. Cause LaMelo doesn't need to necessarily be like some lockdown perimeter defender because he's so good at offense like he can you know gamble for steals in a little bit like he does already and it'll work it'll be fine like it obviously there's still things that he could stand to get better at but I think that if given some time and hopefully some health that this system itself and like the ideas that are being presented will be much easier to implement uh going down going forward but I I do agree that it's just been it's been tough to to watch at certain times so far because like player it's just like so difficult to be running up and down the floor like pulling the ball out of your own basket creating something in the half court out of nothing and then sprinting back because your offense is so poor that you're making shots at the lowest rate in the nba you're often playing like frantic defense and having to use your energy to get back instead of like a a jog back up the court after an easy shot so 
Yeah, it's I mean, tough. that is one thing. The the offense definitely does affect the defense. And because mm-hmm. the offense has been so bad this year, yeah. 20, you know, 20th in offense this season was sixth last year. There are going to be so many more opportunities where the other team are running off misses. And, you know, Charlotte will be taking threes that clank out and long rebounds and they'll get out. So I definitely think that is a key factor into mm-hmm. one of the reasons the defense has, has kind of been even worse than last year. I think the other thing is the minutes. Like we have seen Ubre, Rozier, all these guys having to shoulder such big usage, such large minutes. And I think in the last two weeks, you begin to see those guys get a little worn down. And it's just really hard. And I actually think Kelly Ubre. Like I know Steve Clifford said in his post-game Pistons press conference that it's it's everybody, right? I actually thought Kelly Oubre had a pretty good defensive game, especially yeah. in the first half at least in that Pistons game. Um, and like Steve isn't ever gonna, you know, single out one guy for praise. Like it's it's much it's just a coach thing to do, you know. You don't single guys out, you just say it's everyone, even though in your head you know there are certain culprits more um, you know, guilty than others. So I definitely think that's right. Another thing just to mention, I mean, LaMelo Ball, when he plays, the Hornets are plus 11.8 on offense per 100 possessions. I know I know he's in for like four or five games now, but it just, again, just goes to show, you see in a Pistons game, there's no way Charlotte gets to 141 or 134 even um, without LaMelo Ball on the court. He just makes such, such an incredible difference. One thing Charlotte have done a little bit better is offensive rebounding. Last year, they were 18th. This year, they're up to 7th in the league. And that's, what that's again, comes down to, I think, playing bigger, more with Plumlee, more with Richards. Um, I think, you know, Steve Clifford talked in preseason. He wants to be a top 10 offensive rebounding team. Um, so I think he'll be happy with that development. That's kind of gone well and helped a suffering Hornets offense to, like, get some air at times. But it's the, the defensive rebounding, which is just, Absolutely, he wanted to be top 10, he said preseason, and right now they're 24th in the league. Um, and I don't see any Lamella Ball helps that because he is a good rebounder, but Gordon Hayward, okay, like he's he's not bad at rebounding. Cody Martin would help, but who knows when he's going to be back. Um, it still comes down to I think your bigs, Mason Plumley and Nick Richards. Neither of them you would describe as a good defensive rebounder, one who is is Mark Williams. And Kai Jones also has actually quite a good defensive rebounding uh, percentage. Those are your best defensive rebounders, especially Mark. They'll get pushed around a bit, but he's got such length. Like you've seen in the G League, you've seen it in some of the preseason minutes that he can still play well defensively. So, yeah, o- overall, I don't know what to make of it. Like the, the offensive play types, I went through this. Um, if you compare the types of plays around an offense last year, compare it to this year. It's pretty similar, right? So I, I went through, look at Barrera's offense, Clifford's offense. The the Hornets are running less. You're right. three Down from 19% to 16%. The pick and roll is up from 15% to 19%. So essentially they're running less and then they're going into pick and roll action. And again, I think those things will equal off more when Lamelo is back full time. But even like with Lamelo, I know they wanted to run more pick and roll. Spot-ups are down by 4%. That's basically code for you are not generating good shots because spot-ups is normally when you get a drive and a kick and you have someone open in the corner. So that's why the shooting is struggling. And then putbacks are up 3%, which we talked about earlier. Everything else, isolation, post-ups, pick and roll, big man, handoffs, cuts, coming off screens, they're all either the same or within 1% of last year. So 
there isn't a huge variation in offense here. Like I, I know in terms of the style they're playing, it's just the efficiency has just fallen off a cliff. And I do think that is more down to the players. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I don't want any a lot of this to be like misconstrued to be like I don't like uh, Steve Clifford's coaching style because, like you said, like there's it's not isolation heavy. Uh, they don't like they're not you know flinging the ball around in the same way. But there it's not like it's just passing the ball, taking turns like dribbling at guys and then kicking the ball back out over and over again. They they have a pretty modern like uh, style when Mason Plumlee's in the game, like using him as like more of a passing hub. Like there aren't a ton of teams that have the ability to do that. I think that his coaching style actually does work pretty well. It's just not necessarily with either the players on the roster and the players that have been healthy on the roster this year. Do you think there is any chance that Steve Clifford's job is at risk this season? What ha- what needs to happen in your head mm. for for him not to be the coach next year? How bad honestly, does this year need to get? I'm not sure. Like, I honestly think he would have to just retire and like make the decision himself. I don't think really? that the Hornets would, would fire him just because of how bad the, the injuries have been. Like how can you hold a seven and 21 record against the, basically the only coach that wanted to come coach here. Uh, yeah. But let, like, let's say they get healthy here, right? You know, Hayward, Lamelo, are back. Oh, Cody yeah. Martin, we think is within a month. Let's say that second half of the season, they're healthy and the last 40 games, they go, I don't know, 15 and 25 or like they, they're still towards the bottom of the lottery, even when fully healthy, the offense and defense stays kind of where it, like the offense ticks up stuff stays where it is. If they're like a top, bottom five team in the NBA, do we think, do we think his job's at risk? I don't know. I really, I really don't think so. I just, I don't know if the Hornets are going to move on from a coach after one season I just don't think that's like in the cards for. It just seems like a uh, the franchise that would rather the the stability and just giving the guy that they know and because I mean Steve Clifford's very well liked both like in within the organization and just in, in people within basketball. So I think that he would probably be given the benefit of the doubt, even if they play poorly over the second half or something with a healthy roster. I still think it comes down to. Exactly what we said last year with James Borrego, which is what does the team think? Does the team have Steve Clifford's back or not? With Borrego, it was clear towards the end, you know, when they made the decision, like there was no way they would have moved on from him if the senior players in the team felt strongly about him staying. Um, One thing I've noticed through all the struggles so far not one player has leaked anything to the media, made a comment post-game about the coaching of Steve Clifford. You look over in Atlanta, you've got Trey Young firing shots at Nate McMillan. You've got all sorts going on over there. Charlotte are in a much worse situation, and there's not been one, one bad thing said about Steve Clifford anywhere, which I think, one, is a, a testament to what he's doing and that the, the players that aren't kind of clearly wanting to get stuff out to kind of protect their own value in this view of the league by, by leaking stuff. The one thing I will say is pretty much everyone has been playing so far because of the injuries. And when people are playing, people generally don't get as unhappy as when you're maybe losing and you're not playing. Um, 
but like even like terms like Book Night, you know, you've not heard of, oh Book Night frustrated with his role, you know, via some random NBA source. You've not heard that, and you could understand if he was the case. And, and he spoke really positively of Clifford earlier in the year, and I think he knew who's given a good opportunity. So that's one thing. Like to this point, I still feel the players are very united behind Steve Clifford, or we would have started to see some of those little things you come out and you see through the tea leaves you know, of the, of the NBA media world. And, and that's not something we've seen yet. Yeah. I mean, I think most players when asked about it, come out with pretty effusive praise for Steve Clifford, like Jalen mm-hmm. McDaniels and Kelly Oubre have both talked specifically about like, he will tell you exactly what he expects from you, exactly what he doesn't expect from you and does and doesn't want you to do. And he'll tell you if you're doing it wrong. Like, and that is something that a lot of players actually really appreciate like a straight shooter is a very good type of person to work with. Like as long as they're not just like going overboard and like criticizing you, someone that's going to tell you how it is, is like, it's just so much easier to like adapt to your own role and know what you need to work on and things that you need to focus on in the game. Like it's, it's much easier that way than a coach that's kind of like, not necessarily like lying to you, but a guy that's more of like a people person, I guess. And is, is doesn't want to ruffle any feathers as much, but Steve Clifford isn't really worried about that. He just wants to win basketball games and, that's what most players want to do as well. So people are willing to make sacrifices and be told things they may not like a lot of the time yeah. if it means you're winning. So I, I do agree with you. Overall, I think it's highly unlikely they'd move on. You know, if not for any other reason, that they'd be playing two head coaches while then having to find a third one, right? Yeah, yeah right. Had the extension. Yeah, that probably but doesn't help either. I do think that if the players have just tuned Steve Clifford out, if this defensive rebounding doesn't improve, if, you know, they just continue to be one of the worst teams in the NBA for another 60-odd games, 50, 60 games, I do worry because as soon as a team tunes you out, it doesn't matter how good a coach you are. They're not going to take in the information. And the fact that they are trending downwards, not upwards, in the, especially the defense, which is the thing that takes like effort, commitment, attention to detail, that is a, I'd call it an amber flag, a little orange flag. Um, but... I, I do think that he is a very strong relationship. I think, if anything, the team would maybe look to make personnel moves before making Clifford moves, maybe at the trade deadline. Um, but it's just not often that te- coaches of terrible teams who aren't in the rebuilding mode survive the year. And it's just the start reality. And sometimes it's unfair and it's unjust because of situations like injuries, like you said. But sometimes that can also just be the way the league works. Because the the, the earthquake that is the season, the, the turbulence that you go through can just be so bad at times that players and coaches just can't get over it. Even though there was a reason for that turbulence, which wasn't instigated by either party, it can just be hard to overcome. So we'll have to wait and see on the on Steve Clifford. But I guess let's let's overall let's give our grade for Steve Clifford so far. Let's get let's give a grade. I'll go first. Um, I mean, it's hard to be positive. I'm gonna say like a probably like a C plus. See, I'm I would go C plus. Uh, see, I think I'm gonna go a slightly higher. It's hard for me to leave the B range just given the health of this team. So I think I'll go B minus because I think that it's very clear that there is like a specific message and a specific lit like things and specific things that he wants to be good at. 
Uh, it's just difficult to do that <laughs> without uh, Lamella Ball in the fold. So I think uh, B minus for now. But on, like, I mean, there's a chance that they could go up. Like if they play like well or on offense and defense, and you know, are I don't know if if, if that's going to result in a lot more wins necessarily. But I mean, if they just play better basketball, more consistent basketball uh, in the way that Steve Clifford is hoping for, then that would definitely be an improvement. I mean, I honestly think that the team has gotten more watchable lately as well. Do you think that? Uh, I think oh, since that like middle stretch where they really started losing after that Golden State game, I think right now it's like probably easier and more fun to watch this team than it was uh, back yeah, then. Well, the offense has been up, right? The offense yeah. hasn't been a problem five last seven games. I think Steve Cliff even said it like, so Terry's found a bit of a groove and guys been scoring. So I think more watchable, I do agree. And the one thing I will say as well, we, we've not mentioned this. I think the effort has been pretty good in all oh, this yeah. game. Absolutely. There haven't been many games where I would put the it down to a lack of effort. And Steve Clifford even bit back. I think it uh, there was a question during a press conference. He said, "What do you like? What did you make of the effort tonight?" And Steve Clifford was like, "What did you make of the effort?" <laughs> and they, yeah. you know, they, they like, play well, really, really hard. Like they yeah. wouldn't win these games if they didn't. They're in. They don't get blown out very often. Like they exactly. do sometimes, but they don't get blown out key. as often as most like quote unquote bad teams would exactly and the effort has been high and he's been able to keep those guys playing at uh, at a higher level but I, I do think the lack of defense last five games has been like players are maybe just getting a little bit jaded oh god another loss this is a lost season mm-hmm. we've got the holiday period coming up like all those things that i think maybe are just taking uh, people's effort away from like i don't know a hundred percent like 95 percent but like still at a level where the effort isn't the problem here. It's the ability to work and correct mistakes and weaknesses and to learn from mistakes. That's where this team's weakness is. Okay. Any more words on Steve Clifford or should you take a break and listen to our friends at DraftKings? Let's listen to our friends at DraftKings. Come on DraftKings. Let's go. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone, you can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay and combine multiple bets, which team will win, total rebounds, loads more. The bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. A couple of things I'm looking at, especially with the Hornets now they're getting healthy. I'm looking at unders generally across the board, especially some of the guys like PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre, Terrazier. Their game's going to be changing, their role's going to be changing. So try try and pair a couple of those unders together, like Terrazier. Assists are probably going to dip down a little bit. Oubre's points going to go down. So try and pair a few of those together over the next couple of weeks. So to do that, download the app now. Sign up with the code TBPN and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on an any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. All right, we're back. Um, last section. We're going to talk a little bit about the Stephen Jackson podcast, and I'm going to play the audio here for the listeners. Um, and he was telling a story back from 2010 when he was with the Bobcats. And uh, 
a Michael Jordan situation uh, who, was, who was owner at the time. So I'm going to play the audio here and then me and Chase are, are going to uh, discuss it. So I was playing in Charlotte, right? The first year I got there, we got to the playoffs for the first time. And it, so MJ loved me for that alone. Right. But when I first got there, it was kind of rocky. You know what I'm saying? I just got traded to So we got to ask me by somebody. And uh, he came in the locker room after the game just going off on us like we need to get our shit together, right? And I made some little comment or something like that. He ain't say nothing. So he came and practiced the next day. Back on that shit. Mm. Yeah, y'all think y'all did something? I'm six. Oh, he's like talking about all his accolades. Take my shoes off. Because, yeah, you know, he had gave me, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't just talking to me. He was talking because everybody had his shoes off. But he had yeah. gave me a deal and all that. Yeah. This shit kind of directed to me and Jerry Wallace. Because yeah. we, we the leaders of the team. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he going off. Going Mike told off. you take his fucking shoes off. Damn near. You know what I'm saying? Look at all the all shit I done done. Y'all want to I'm just going off on his right to the point where he gets on the second team in practice. And we lose. You lying. You ain't losing 50 years old. Mike's too old. Listen, listen. This was, nigga, this was in 2010. Mike suited up? Dog, he, whatever he had on. He came out there, got on, got on, uh, pushed against the guard, whoever Gerald Wallace was guard, the three guard, kicked him out and got in that spot and played with the second team. My second team wasn't scrubs now. Oh, he, he scored a couple points and to the point where he talked so much shit afterwards, he grabbed the ball and went dunk one on the way out. Okay. So that's the clip. Now, you hadn't heard that before. So you, this is, you've just heard that for the first time. Um, I saw a lot of people clipping this and talking about, yo, this is like such a Michael Jordan thing. Like, you know, he put on a jersey and went and beat the second team. For me, I'm pretty torn about it. Like, as I, I think it's, if you're just a fan of Michael Jordan, I think it's the freaking coolest badass thing ever, right? I think it's so MJ. If you're someone who thinks like, mm, is, is Mike the, the best NBA owner? Like, does he approach things the right way? For me, this like set off all sorts of like red flags. I know this back in 2010, and I'm sure that's 12 years ago, right? I'm sure he's matured a lot since then, and I, he probably wouldn't handle it the same way now. But yeah, I mean, I want to get into why and some of the reasons. But what are your thoughts from listening to that? Well, first, Stephen Jackson is one of America's greatest storytellers. <laughs> like, it's so funny yep. listening to him tell any type of retell any type of event that happened during his basketball career. So we definitely need to make sure that he keeps appearing on podcasts and hosting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I, 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 I kind of with you, like it, it, I was thinking it probably would be a lot more like not normal because that's not really normal, but maybe a like acceptable and wouldn't rub people the wrong way as much. Or if he was a coach doing that Mm -hmm. instead of the owner, because like the coaches are, more intimately involved with like the on-court aspect of what goes on obviously than the owner is so I think if he, if the coach was like you know just walked into practice like he had his shoes on he had his warm-up gear on to you know help lead the practice and was just like you know what I'm gonna hop in someone get out and then I'm gonna torch you guys like that would be a little bit different than you know the guy who is like literally like signing your paychecks and like Steven Jackson said like giving you like sneaker deals and stuff like that too uh, I mean, I don't think it's like I, it, it was also 2010 and it was probably a specific group of players that he would have done that to. Like Steven Jackson and Gerald Wallace, like they weren't going to go home and like sulk about that, you know, like they, they probably took that 
the right way or the way that MJ was intending for them to take it uh, after that. Because that do, seems... do we think? Do we think he's got like? Because that's MJ, right? That's just pure one hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's like. Do we think Michael he's got Jordan. that ability to tailor that message? Like, if there's someone different, I don't know. Let's so, let's say Teo Maladon was the star of the team, right? <laughs> do you think like someone like Teo Maladon and Bryce McGowan's would be able to like take that from? the owner of your team like i, I like, yeah, right. like, two, like give it and under whatever. 22 year old guys like that's like a lot it's a lot different yeah i i do i just think like if my manager like kate like say i had a bad day at work right my manager came in the next day and was telling me to take my shoes off and calling me corners out and everything like that it, i just it's a very like emotional reaction it's not a very mature approach to things like take my shoes off I, and, and I know, again, for people who are MJ fans, this is great because this is part of the legend. And I, I completely agree. If, if I was nothing to do with the Charlotte Hornets, I would think this is the freaking like, most hilarious story he got on the court. I do want to point out, he said his second unit wasn't scrubs. Do you want to hear what the second unit was? I, I was just going to say, like, I, I'd be curious <laughs> I've got to it up see here. the bench okay. that he played with. So he will have been playing with Sean Livingston, who at the time was on the way back from his injury and was not the Sean Livingston we know from Golden State. Eddie Nahara, Dominic Maguire, Nazir Mohammed, and Gerald Henderson. I mean, so Stephen who, Jackson. But who do you think got booted out of that lineup? Well, I, it will have been Dominic Maguire will have okay, been yeah. the three. He will have guarded Gerald Wallace. So yeah. he will have booted. So it will have been Gerald Henderson, Sean Livingston, Eddie Nahara, and Nazir Mohammed in the second unit, which I know Stephen Jackson said they weren't scrubs, but... <laughs> Yeah, not not the most formidable bench unit in the NBA. I no, I like I think Eddie Nahara and Nassim Mohammed were out of the league within within I want to say maybe a year of of that. Uh, you know, Gerald Henderson probably not that much longer after when he because of his hip issue, and then Sean Livingston went on to have a good career. So overall, as someone who follows the team, I would say great story about Mike. Um, as an owner, it gives me, it fuels some of the skepticism, you know, of, of how you act and, you know, how you speak to people. Um, but the one thing I will say is like to compare my working world is like, oh, if my manager did that, or if my, the owner of the business I work for did that, it's very different, right? Because the world of NBA basketball is full of like ego and what you've done gives you a sense of like authority. So I, I do think I can't just sit here and go, well, that would never fly in the workplace. It, it's not a normal workplace. It's an NBA franchise and he owns the team. But I still do think that that I would want uh, the owner to try and maybe a little bit be like a more emotional, mature than that. And again, this was back in 2010. I've said, I, I hope he has made that difference now. But looking back at the time, he was getting criticism for his ownership then. I didn't think those kind of situations like necessarily will have been helping the Bobcats day to day. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with that. I don't know if, uh, you know, someone's boss getting down and then, you know, putting 30 on their head in a closed gym practice is, is the best thing for team morale. It might, it might well, have worked I, for I a couple of guys. I don't even mind but... him doing, like, doing that. But for me, it's like the way he reportedly according to Steven Jackson, like the way he spoke to them, the way he was telling them, you know, that they were worthless and all that is that kind of thing. Like 
that's for me. Like, if he jumped in, played hard, and then he afterwards he made the point, like, that's how you're supposed to approach the game. That's how you're supposed to play. That's how you play defense. Like, that for me is fine because you're setting an example. But that wasn't a great example to set, in my opinion. Take, take my shoes off. Like, it's funny, <laughs> but it's also like <laughs> yeah. a bit embarrassing if you're like the players, like, are we really doing this? You know? But anyway, everyone's going to hate me for this take, by the way. So. Everyone's gonna think, oh, you know, fun. Oh, you, you know. I think, yeah, I think. Well, not Hornets fans might not because I feel no, like the will. overwhelming yeah, consensus will. among Hornets fans is that like they don't want MJ to own the team or whatever. Which I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that either. I don't think people people are taking it way too far when they're like, sell the team, fire everybody. It's like you don't have I to. I mean, when any team loses in professional sports in the US, that's basically what fans turn to. I know. Yeah, is you know, it, it doesn't actually matter who or what, sell the team, fire everyone. It's just like a thing people do take out that frustration. But yeah, I, I think people do, so on, Jordan, to hate the team. But for me to like look back at something in 12 years ago and go, oh, we could have been better. Yeah. I think people will probably be thinking I'm picking nits, which I am, <laughs> but I just didn't see anyone be like, have the the kind of conversation that we had, like, oh, maybe yeah, I'm right. the best way to handle a situation. Like, but again, I know it was it was said in, in jest, and we're relying on Stephen Jackson's version of events. And I'm, I he's probably not the most honest, truthful person uh, there is. <laughs> and you know, he's on an entertainment podcast, and he has a, a public profile to keep up. So that's the other thing we'll say is massive. If if it happened, how Stephen Jackson, you know, laid it out, I'm sure he's prone to a little bit of over exaggeration from here and there. Hey, part of being America's greatest storyteller would include some occasional embellishment. That's all. Absolutely. Okay. That's everything for us this week. Um, Chase, what are you doing for Christmas? What are your plans? I am headed up to Canada, I think next Thursday on the, like a couple days before Christmas. And then I'll be coming back. I think I'll be driving like on Christmas day. Uh, like oh. back through uh canada back to maine so that'll be that'll be interesting seeing um you got any uh christmas traditions in your household not really i just kind of eat a lot and that's about it i don't i watch i watch basketball that's my own personal tradition but it's it's so funny this year that the nfl uh that christmas is on a sunday so the nfl will have games that day basketball is like one day of the year that they get like strictly to themselves uh like the nba is just like gone because <laughs> everyone's gonna watch football instead which is a yeah. little unfortunate but the the games this year on christmas day i have to say are gonna be a bit of a letdown i'm gonna read them out to you here six is knicks I'm like all right you know six is probably gonna win that lakers mavericks okay you get luca versus lebron and ad but again like two not great teams buck celtics which is yeah that's a fantastic you know matchup from playoffs last year that's the marquee game Grizzlies Warriors, Grizzlies Warriors, which would have been good, but now Steph's going to be out for a couple of weeks. So, and the Warriors are struggling this year. And then Suns Nuggets, which again I think should be like a good game. Uh, but like normally you get like the best of the best. But like I don't even know what you schedule for those to be now. The like the top games, it's it's really hard. There's so much like parity yeah. in the league. It's not like you've got obvious clear powerhouses. Um, so yeah, not the best Christmas Day lineup, I don't think. Yeah, well, they for obvious reasons, the Knicks and the Lakers always play on Christmas, and uh, like 
they're not like good enough <laughs> to be doing that every year. Like, nope. no offense to the Knicks or the Lakers. So that I mean that that is a big part of it, I think. Uh, but I mean, people do want to watch those teams, so I, I can't yeah. blame them. All right. Well, Chase, this is the last time we're going to speak before the break. So, uh, yeah, have a great break. Enjoy Canada, my uh, Commonwealth brethren. I'm sure you'll have a good time <laughs> up there. And, yes. um, yeah, we will uh, catch you after back in January. We'll, how many games are there between now and January? Let's have a look here. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've got about 10 to 12 games. So we're going to be basically like halfway through the season when we come back. So we should have some really interesting topics to discuss. Uh, when we come back and look the Christmas present from everyone is that limit you get to watch the mellow ball for the next uh, period of time mm-hmm. here assuming he can stay healthy so everyone enjoy having the mellow back he was pretty special I knew like the Detroit game oh my gosh he made some unbelievable plays and passes and makes um, he just reminds you how much more watchable this team is when the mellow ball plays so everyone have a great break uh, listen to our podcast next week with Matt Sponauer that's me and Matt who talked through our uh, top players from 1 to 16 who we think will be back in the roster next year and we will speak next in January thanks for listening guys happy holidays <laughs>